What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David Sinclair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the Sinclair Speaks Show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. What's going on, guys? It's your hobby, David. St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks Show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. As you guys know, I'm sitting here with another special guest, another connection established through LinkedIn. Guys, I am sitting here with Joe Kwan, lawyer, podcast host, author, uh, unlock your executive uh, presence. We're going to dive into so much more on why it works and why now is the most important time to establish connections, whether it's LinkedIn, whether it's Clubhouse, Facebook. We're going to dive into so much. I'm excited to pick Joe's brain. Without further ado, Joe Kwan, please, the floor is yours. If you can, give our audience a uh, maybe a three to five introduction snippet on, on, on who you are, what, what um, your brand, your business, what inspired you to get on this path today, and of course, what brings you on the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Thanks so much, Yahavi, for having me. And I love your energy. And that's why I was so excited to be on this podcast with you. Um, I go by the Connection Counselor for the leadership training that I do. Um, and what I do with uh, my work is I help people unlock the best version of themselves through connecting to themselves and the skills that they have already, as well as to others. And if you think about it, it's kind of two sides of the same coin. You need both, right? If you just kind of connect to how great you are, but you don't have any feedback from others or you don't connect with others, then you're just sitting there in a cave by yourself celebrating, right? Or if you connect to other people, but you have no sense of who you are, right? You just go along with what everyone else is doing, what, what everyone wants you to do, but you don't really understand your strengths who you're meant to be, not to get too corny, but your purpose or your life mission, then you will never fulfill your full potential because you are tapping into someone else's energy, someone else's life, not yours. So that's what I'm passionate about doing, um, work with various different folks. And I love having these sorts of conversations with people like you because it helps unlock for me, right? Through this connection, you and me, um, additional ideas, energies, inspirations that I'm not going to have just sitting in front of my computer, Googling or, you know, writing an article. This, this interaction for me is precious. So t tell us a little bit more, you know, give us a little bit more insight on being a connection counselor. And, you know, for, for me, uh, getting in this position, I had to kind of go through adversity, of course, to get the ambition. Uh, what sparked that inspiration for you to, to get on this path today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, kind of, it's, it's, it's a bit roundabout. Um, I started training in a Japanese martial art called Aikido about, oh gosh, maybe more 10, 15 years ago. 
And a funny thing started to happen after I was training. I realized that a lot of the uh, physical things that you learn about energy and how to move people have a direct correlation in interpersonal, right? So something that works like arm to arm works person to person. And I don't know what it was about it. It just, because it was like physical, like it was tangible, like I could see it, I could feel it with my body. It really got me thinking differently about connection because you and I can talk all day long about this is how we should be. And this is how you talk to people. You ask open-ended questions, whatever. But there's something like so theoretical about it, right? It's, it's like ether, it, it doesn't feel real. But when you connect things to an actual like physical metaphor, it's, it's just strangely powerful how much uh, more impactful and, and how much more people can understand it. So I, I, I don't want to say it falls in line, but does that for you, does that fall in line? Is it an umbrella concept of the, you know, unlocking your executive presence? You know, you talk about this. So how, how does that come together? Yeah, absolutely. So the way I like to explain connection, and, and, and I'll get to the executive presence uh, in just a sec, is think about um, yourself as a gear, right? You're like a cog, right? And then someone else is there, and they're also a cog, right? And you're spinning. You're trying to get something to happen. But you're not connected to them. If you spin super fast or super slow, does it matter to the other person? No. Why not? Because, you know, in my opinion, uh, how the other person uh, moves and operates is not going to affect how I move. I, right. I mean, it's funny. It, it's good. Good question. That is a good question, because if you were to ask me this two years ago, mm-hmm. I would have gave you a different answer. And sure. now they're now they're spinning right at whatever speed they are. And, and you're not connected. Right. You're separated. So they could be spinning any speed that they want. Is that going to change your rotation at all? No. 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 Why should it? No. Right? No. Now let's let's fast forward to a scenario where you're connected. Now, so picture the two gears, it's you and the other person. Now you become enmeshed, right? Like a gear, right? Your teeth are locked together. Now, when you spin, what happens to them automatically? Oh, they're spinning with me. That's if right. If we're locked together, oh yeah, we're yeah, we're going down that hill together. Now, here's the thing, Yahavi, people always think about it from a me perspective, right? Like, I want to connect with people so I can move them, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's very, like, kind of one-sided, very egotistical, for lack of a better word. Here's the thing. When you connect with someone, part of the deal is you don't get to dictate the terms exclusively. If you're connected to someone and they start to spin, what happens to you? Mm. So you, like, I would be spinning too. It's, it's like, um, it's like being in a relationship pretty much being in a relationship. It's so funny. Uh, you know, I got to put a little personal touch on this, you know, you know, I, you know, with my significant other, you know, we're, we had a discussion about, you know, moving, you know, we live in upstate New York and we were talking about, because she deals with migraines, she doesn't want to be in, in hot, hot weather. So Miami's out of the question, unfortunately. So I have to continue to put up with New York. But yeah, we're in this together. You know, we're a family, we have a child. So we're on that wheel. So I, I see what you mean with that. Yeah. So the way that this ties back to executive presence, and I talk about charisma and a couple other things, but let's stick with executive presence. Um, Executive presence is a very specific type of connection, okay? Now, whenever 
you ask someone about executive presence, one of two things will happen, right? One, they'll describe all these attributes of people who have executive presence, like good public speaking, they make eye contact, blah, blah, blah. Do any of those things really generate executive presence, Yahavi? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Mm-mm. No. They're, they're, they're traits, they're, they're things that people who have executive presence do, but they're not the thing that is generating, right? You, I mean, I can tell you understand that. Right, absolutely. And, and it's, it's funny that you mention it because I'm thinking of all of uh, these executives, these CEOs, all, all these, uh, these labels of these people that I've connected with, but they don't come off as, you know, I have the executive presence. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the second thing that'll happen is, let's say you know someone, because you know you meet a lot of great guests. Let's say you meet someone on your podcast and they have amazing executive presence. And you ask them, maybe after the interview, point blank, you're like, I gotta have what you have, right? How do you generate executive presence? Well, what do you think they're gonna say? Oh yeah, sign up for my course. Join my, <laughs> join my webinar. That. <laughs> Besides that. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, it's, it's funny. Some, it, it, everyone's different. Some people will give me that response. Some people um, will, will share a little bit more insight and, 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 and really take things offline and, and, and take me under the wing, gratefully so, and sharing a couple of tips and resources. Others will give me that call to action. Hey, check out this, that, and the third, or read an article about this. Okay. So that's exactly right. Now, typically two things will happen. If you're unlucky, okay, the person will um, basically tell you that they don't really know. they just be themselves. That doesn't really help you or me, right? Like, oh, I just, I'm natural or I, I don't know. Like, they don't really understand. Like, like, they got it. Like, you recognize they got it because you felt it. But they can't teach it to you. It's like asking, you know, uh, it's like asking Michael Jordan or LeBron James to teach you basketball. Maybe they're terrible teachers. You know, maybe Roger Federer can serve great, but he can't break it down for you as a young tennis student how to hit that serve, right? So just because someone has it doesn't mean they understand it in a way they can transfer to you. Now, if you're, if, if you're lucky, they will start to tell you, um, maybe specific things and principles that work for them. But even then, that's not really what you need because those are things that work for them. They're not like universal principles, right? So um, if I'm a certain height and I wanna play an instrument or play a sport, then I'm gonna use a certain type of technique to match my height. But if I'm at a different height or weight or speed, I'm gonna adjust. So for me to ask a really, tall person how to, I don't know, stack something on a shelf and what their technique is would be different from me because I'm not very tall, right? So if I try to do the tall person technique, what's going to happen? A box is going to drop on my head. I'm going to hurt myself, right? So the key here is to understand what is the universal principle of connection that generates executive presence. And once you know that, you can start to generate yourself. Before you know that, you got nothing. So let me ask you this. And do you think some people are born with it? I, I wouldn't say born with it, 
Okay, what I would say is some people through the way they have grown up and developed have naturally developed skills that result in them having executive presence. It's not an intentional thing, right? But the situation and the way they responded to life situations was with certain skills that developed executive presence. Now make no mistake, what they're doing are those universal principles. It just happens that they were thrust in a situation and reacted in a certain way that gave it to them where maybe someone else who doesn't really need executive presence going up, right? It, it, it's not you know, helpful to them or they respond in a way that's like the opposite that makes people like not wanna listen to them, right? Because that can happen too. Um, so I do think there are people who are quote unquote more natural. I don't think it's genetic. I think it's a combination of their personality, their situation, how they responded, and they kind of developed in that way. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I also, I, I agree, but I also think experiences has a huge, you mentioned upbringing, has a huge thing because this time last year, Joe, just like, mm-hmm. man, I had 11 cents to my name at mm-hmm. rock bottom. I was selling comedy tickets in heart of Times Square just mm-hmm. to get by to make ends meet. So. For me, what, what drives me and what's going to, what would create that within me is because I already know what happens if I don't give this 100%. Mm-hmm. If I don't give this 100%, I don't get into that, that executive uh, kind of mindset analogy. So for just, you know, from my personal experience, it's the pain, it's failure, it's what happened before and experiences, which is going to keep that, that, like that fire under me, which is like, okay, you hobby. Like, for example, I'll give you one today for some odd reason, I just didn't feel like doing anything today. I didn't feel like recording content. I, I, you know, it's so crazy. I have two more podcast episodes to record after this one. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yo, like, I don't feel, cause we booked this out of course a couple of weeks back. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, damn, I don't feel like doing this. But then I had that little thing in the back of my head that reminds me, Yahavi, think about what happens if you don't push to hundred percent. Look at where he was last year. And I'm like, oh, no, let's go. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, let's go. So for me, I'm driven by my past experiences of not going the extra mile. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So let let me ask you a question. How would you define executive presence, right? So when you hear like someone has executive presence, how how do you describe what that is? Uh, Oof. The first thing I'm going to say is accountability than leadership, because to be a leader, you have to be accountable. Uh, yeah, executive presence is, you know, I, I, like, I want to use LeBron James, and I, I was a huge Kobe Bryant fan growing up, but mm-hmm. I, I use LeBron James as an analogy because he just has that executive presence. With every, he makes everyone around him better, just mm-hmm. some way, somehow, even th- the little people. But what gives someone that executive presence in my opinion, is to make everyone around you better and hold yourself accountable, hold yourself to a high standard of getting the job done. Also, keeping an open mind because you're not always right. And I tell myself this all the time. I'm not always right. And I also don't have the mindset. I've seen this quote, in, and I'm going to uh, recite this quote. You can't teach a man everything that thinks he already knows everything. Right? So, <laughs> so I, <true. laughs> I empty out my mind. And whenever I have a podcast guest, I let everyone just here, take the mic and Mm. let me just be a sponge because I see how that works for me. So I think what will give someone a little bit more executive uh, presence is to keep an open mind because we're not always right. You're more experienced in areas far along than me. And it's always going to be like that. 
So keep an open mind. Uh, you know, people, people are uh, seed planters. So, you know, we meet people that plant seeds and it's up to you if you want to continue to nurture these seeds. Right. So yeah, that, that, that's just my take and spin on it. So I think what you said is exactly right. LeBron, uh, great example. Let me break it down like super, almost like literally, right? So it's, 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 it's super literal because sometimes the answer is like right in front of us, right? Executive presence consists of two words, right? Executive and presence. But we don't really think about like what those words mean. So let's take executive first, right? Executive comes from the root word execui which means to carry out, right? So if you think about, it, if you really like think at the highest level, why is someone an executive versus someone who's just a worker? The executive gets stuff done, right? They don't necessarily do it themselves, but they get stuff done because that's why they have that position because an executive who doesn't get stuff done is not going to be an executive at that organization much longer. Right now, I want to ask you about the second word, presence. What does it mean to you to have presence? Oh, you know what? That's a good. That's a good one because being a parent taught me that presence is being physically here. That's one, mm-hmm. of course, but mentally here. Yes. Just like in pot and podcasting, it's easy to drift off. It's oh, easy yeah. to drift off. And one of the things I started to do, and my, my ears was bleeding when I started listening to my first two to three podcast episodes, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to the questions. I wasn't listening to the own questions I would ask. So I would even forget that. So it's the ment- for me, it's just mentally. And I challenge myself in every podcast episode. So with you in particular, it's great because this is why we talked about this before. I love talking to other podcasters. It helps me more be a little bit more present. And yeah. Yeah. So here's something that I think you probably intrinsically understand, but a lot of people misunderstand about executive presence. People often think about executive presence as a thing, like a thing that you do or a thing that you wear or a title that you have, right? Like, like they think they need to possess that. What you need to possess is what you were talking about, Yahavi. You need to possess the right state of mind, right? It's executive presence. It's not executive doing. It's not executive public speaking. It's like you walk into a room. Tell me this. You walk into a room. There's five people here. Can you immediately tell who the top dog is? Oh, no. I mean, no, no. Sometimes you can, but absolutely not. What if one of them has crazy executive presence, though? Can you tell? Oh, yeah, I could tell. And, you know, it's it's a good point. Even working for corporations, you you could just feel it. Right. There's the boss. But no, but the employers don't respect the boss because they don't have that presence. Yeah. Just because you're a manager does not make you a good leader. And corporate has taught me that as well. So I see what you mean there for sure. And I've heard stories from people where because of the way they held themselves, right, people thought they were the boss or people thought that they were higher up on the hierarchy, you know, the corporate ladder than they were because of their presence. And maybe their boss didn't have the presence and they thought like the boss reported to them. They got it all twisted, right? Now, people don't have to say anything to you to have presence, 
right? Like if you walk in a room and I'm feeling really sad, like you and I are friends, this is like five years from now and I'm feeling down. Do I have to say to you, Yahavi, I feel down or can you feel that right away? Yeah, I'm an empath. I, I, I feel energy. I go by energy and it's contagious as well. Yeah. So then the question becomes, what is the feeling of an executive, right? Mm-hmm. And when you can figure that out, you've got executive presence figured out. So what I talk about is executive presence is the ability to inspire confidence that you can lead well in a given situation. I'll say it one more time. Executive presence is the ability to inspire confidence. So I'm inspiring the confidence, right? That you, meaning me, can lead well in a given situation. It's specific to what needs to be done at that particular time. And if you can be present in a way that other people feel that about you, everyone's gonna want you to lead. You have executive presence. Title doesn't matter, age doesn't matter. Imagine you're on a boat, the boat sinking, okay? And you're on the boat with the CEO of your company and the CEO saying, let's go this way. Are you gonna follow the CEO? <laughs> no, right? And then you got like the lowliest sailor, right? Like, like the one who like took your ticket when you got on the boat and was like, everyone come with me to the lifeboats. This is what we gotta do. We gotta move to this part of the ship. Are you gonna follow that person? Oh, yeah, more than likely. Yeah, yeah. everyone follow me. Absolutely, because what's the situation? The situation is you're on a boat. The boat is sinking. I don't care how big your 401k is. I don't care how many stock options you have. Unless you are a sailor, I do not want to listen to you in this situation. I am not inspired by confidence versus someone else because they're a sailor, the, the way they hold themselves. You know, you're just like, oh yeah, that's the person who's going to save my life or who's going to have a better chance of me coming out of this. So I want to follow their lead. So the same thing extrapolates to everything you do in life, whether it's like a PTA meeting, conference call, um, you know, community, community uh, town hall kind of thing. When you have that, people respond to that and you will be listened to and you will be asked to lead. Damn, man, that's, po- that's powerful, Joe. That's powerful. <laughs> you said... And it's crazy, you know, I'm going to piggyback off something because you said, you know, you're not inspired by confidence or what are you inspired by? Well, you have to inspire confidence in others, right? That you can lead well. So that is the key. And then the question becomes like, what is confidence and, and, and how do you inspire confidence, right? Like that becomes the next question. What, 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 what is confidence? And it's funny because I, I, I think I asked someone this like maybe like a couple episodes ago, everyone has, it's amazing to hear everyone's different perspective on confidence based on their experience. So what is confidence to you and how can one build self-confidence? Okay. I got a good one for you, Yahavi. I was reading this book um, by these two authors, uh, Kathy Kay and Claire Shipman. They wrote this book called The Confidence Code. Um, really interesting book. And what they did was they studied like the best of the best of the best cream of the crop women leaders, right? 
We're talking women who graduated from West Point. We're talking UN ambassadors. We're talking like, and you know, WNBA, you know, stars who became coaches. Like these are like the cream of the crop of women leaders to understand confidence from a female perspective for women who have like made it like in the world. And so I was reading that um, and they shared a definition based on all their research and confidence doesn't matter whether you're a woman or a man. It was, they were just like researching it from like a woman's perspective. Um, but this definition applies equally to men, women, children, adults. And it's the best definition hands down I've ever heard of confidence. It's like so clear. Once I heard this, I was like, oh yeah, I'm never gonna listen to another definition. You wanna hear it? Yes, please. Confidence is the purity of action produced by a mind free of doubt. I'll give it to you one more time. Confidence is the purity of action produced by a mind free of doubt. And when I heard that, my mind was like, boom. I was like, that's exactly it. Like, think about how you perform when you're feeling confident, right? Like, are you worried? Are you thinking? Are you double guessing yourself? Is there any negative self-talk when you're in your confidence zone? It's crazy because I've been talking about imposter syndrome for so freaking long. And uh-huh. I find I finally, you know, it's crazy, Joe. I'm so glad you brought this up because I just, I just recently broke out of it. Just recently nice. broke out nice. of it. And I don't know what came over me, but mm-hmm. it's like, for me, I think it was the tide wave of success. Mm-hmm. And it's like, whoa. And it made me question my unworthiness. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. What I love about the definition is a couple things. Confidence is not something you have in a skill. Confidence is a skill, right? To be able to be confident actually gives you a strategic advantage over someone of the same skill level as you who doesn't have the confidence because confidence, your own confidence begets people to have confidence in you. And here's the other thing though. Confidence, Yahavi, does not mean you are the best. All it means is you are performing at your particular best because you're not doubting yourself. There may be some other person who lacks confidence, who even without that confidence can blow you and me out of the water, right? Because their skill level is so high. I'm not gonna get on a basketball court with nobody, right? Like it's just not gonna happen. It doesn't matter what my <laughs> confidence level is. Oh, I've been training. I'm like 100% better than I was last week. I still can only jump like six inches off the ground, right? Like it's not gonna yeah. help me, right? But that's the thing. It will allow me to perform at my best. And that's what's key because like, I can't always count on beating everyone else, but what I can count on is bringing my best performance. That's all I can control in this world, right? That is, uh, you know what? That is so spot on because there's always gonna be someone better. You know, as whether you're an author or you're a speaker, there's always gonna, someone's gonna write a better book. Someone's gonna tell a better story. Someone has a better podcast. And I, I think with LinkedIn in particular, when, once I started to, you know, slowly build a little bit more connection, we, we open these doors and we see more successful people, which makes mm-hmm. us look at everything that we did in our own accomplishments. Like, wait a minute, hold on. Why is Susan getting all this recognition? Right. So it, it's pretty <laughs> interesting that you mentioned that. It's very interesting. Yeah. 
absolutely. And so the next question becomes, how do you create that presence, mm. right? So I've shared with you the key, which is the definition, right? It's that ability to inspire confidence that you can lead well in a given situation, right? But that just opens another door, like how do I inspire that confidence, right? Because if you don't know that, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know where the lock is, but you still don't have the key. You don't have the combination, right? But you're closer than you were before because before you were, you were looking in the wrong house. You were like in the, in, in the wrong zip code. So it's, I'm sorry, Joe. It's, yeah, uh, it's in perfect action. I think for me, seeing how much I've messed up before has given me all the confidence to keep on messing up. But I, I'm such a trailblazer now. I don't care. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't care. I don't care if one, I, you know, I've had podcast episodes where I thought I'm like, yeah, this is going to be the podcast episode mm -hmm. where I'm probably going to get, you know, a lot of streams, a lot of downloads. And mm -hmm. it's like zero, one. But I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Let's go. And it's the yeah. same thing like putting out a, a good post on LinkedIn yeah. and no one really engages with the content. But I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I just keep on going. Yeah, yeah. And it's been so much imperfect action. You know, you hear, I hear Will Smith, uh, you know, I'm going to quote Will Smith. You know, sure. fail often, fail forward. But uh, I wouldn't be where I'm at today without failure, without that imperfect action and getting uncomfortable. Uh, someone mentioned this to me the other day, which is why I love podcasting, because I am communicating with people that are well, more established, more successful, and finding ways to not feel intimidated, to be comfortable and holding conversations. And that's why I love connecting with, you know, just people that are really doing it because I've had people that, you know, on the podcast that I'm a little bit more further and down the line, which is fine, but to have someone that's a little bit more well-established and to hold an hour, 30 minute conversation, it really helps boost the confidence. Like, wow, I talked to this person. I held a good conversation. I didn't have any self-doubt and it's given me the confidence to continue to move forward in imperfect action. Well, let me ask you a question too, Yavi. Do you ever listen to your old episodes? By old, I, I, it could be like a week ago, right? It doesn't have to be like years ago. Do you ever listen to like previously recorded episodes and like you get like totally new stuff like each time you listen to it? It's amazing because I get, it's a brand, it's a brand new door. It, it's the same when I watch my old speaking content. Like, why did I say that? Why did I do this? But, yeah. and this is why Kobe Bryant was, is my favorite basketball player of all time, because he has this Mamba mentality of studying your craft, studying mm -hmm. film. And when I look at podcasting and I listen to my own podcast episodes, it's me studying film. Like one of the things is why am I not looking directly into my webcam, but I make sure I look at my guest because I want to, I, I give everyone respect. I want to, you know, I want to watch you, but I, of course I have to do this, but these are little things that I pick up on, you know, previous episodes. But at the same time, I don't try to dive in too much because I am my toughest critic. I did a mm -hmm. comedy skit yesterday on TikTok. Oh, you getting, did? <laughs> uh, yeah. Because, uh, uh, you know, it's funny. It, I'm a, I would consider myself a comedian now. Okay. And doing a lot of uh, comedic skits has given me a lot of confidence. Yeah. So when I'm putting out all these, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to be funny. I'm not afraid to dance on the mm -hmm. internet. I'm not sure. afraid to pronounce something wrong. And my last podcast guest, uh, Troy, shout outs to you. I pronounced his last name wrong. And it's funny because we laughed about it. And it's so, it feels so good that 
you could soak in your own mistakes and flourish from mistakes and, and just get better as you go. It, it's so rewarding. So yeah. to answer your question, yes, I, I do study myself, but I try not to because I will beat myself up over <laughs> and over again. <laughs> so, um, so the question of like what you can do to generate the executive presence, right? Like how do you create that presence? So here's the thing. Your presence is created by the way people feel about you, right? And feelings are created by feelings. They're not created by actions or words. It doesn't seem that way, right? It seems like I could say something really mean to you and those words would create anger, sadness or whatnot, right? But that's not actually true. What creates your reaction is the feeling that I put into those words, right? I could say, Yavi, you stink, right? And I could say it like, I really want to put you down. And I think you are just the worst podcaster in the world. Or you could sense that I'm saying it like, like we're joking, right? We're roasting each other, right? It's, it's like your 100th episode, you've brought me on and I'm like, Yahavi, you stink. You're the worst podcast, you know, like, like, right? So it's not like the words, it's not the action. It's the feeling that you feel from me that is contagious and creates your feeling. So that's what I think a lot of people misunderstand about executive presence. They think it's an action. They think I have to look at you a certain way. I have to talk to you a certain way. I have to listen. And all those things are important, don't get me wrong. But the driver to change the way a person feels is the way you feel and what goes into everything that you do that connects with them. So there are six degrees of executive presence and they're all based on your state of being. These are not actions. They lead to actions and they're a way you act, but they're not actions themselves. Um, I'll give them all six to you real quick. And then if you have any questions about any of them, just we, we can dive in. The first one is proactive, right? Proactive means you don't sit around and wait for something to happen. You act in anticipation of what's going to happen. And if you or people listening, think of like someone who you think of has like really great executive presence right now. Just hold them in your mind. And as we go through these six, check off in your mind, like, does that person actually have these sorts of states of being? So the first one is proactive, acting in anticipation of future problems, needs, or changes. So that's number one. Second degree of executive presence, resolute. To make it easy, you don't flip flop, right? You've decided this is the right way to do. Doesn't mean you never change. I didn't say stubborn, I said resolute. So if it's unpopular or someone's complaining, that person doesn't change just to be popular. They only change when it's the right time to change. So that's the second one, resolute. The third one is equanimity, which is basically a fancy way of saying, you know, you stay even, even though things are stressed out. Imagine Yahavi, um, you have a boss and you know, you're your own boss, but imagine you have a boss and you go to them and you tell them there's a problem and they just start freaking out. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, is that executive presence? Like, will you want to follow or listen to anything that that person says? Oh, no. Uh, you know, a bad leadership is just bad for the entire team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, next is uh, the fourth is stillness, right? So stillness, people kind of, um, it's easy to misconstrue. 
So by stillness, I don't mean not doing anything because I said you have to be proactive, which sort of connotates like, you know, you're gonna do stuff. Stillness, let, let, let's use the, uh, the basketball reference, right? Kobe Bryant or any basketball player, they're not moving all the time, right? There is a time where they pause and then they powerfully burst into motion, right? And it's that pause, it's the same thing in music. Can you imagine a song with no quiet parts, no pauses between the beats, right? So stillness unleashes the power because you act and you, you, know, you drive to the basket or you take the shot at exactly the right moment, right? The most opportune moment. Until then, you're not doing it because if you do it too soon, what happens? right? You get blocked or they anticipate or they steal the ball. You go at exactly the right moment and not a millisecond too soon. Um, the fifth one is engage. So we talked about that before, right? Like the connection in the gears, right? Because if you're a leader and you have no idea what's going on in your team, one, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. And two, no one's really going to come to you right? Because why would I talk to you, Yahavi, if you don't listen or if you don't take what I'm saying seriously? It's better for me not to say anything at that point, right? Because why would I say something and then you don't listen and then somehow I get blamed, you know, later out of spite. Um, and the last one is kind of the obvious one, the one that everyone gravitates to, but it's not the most important one. Um, it's equal to the others, which is confidence. And we talked about that. If you don't have confidence in yourself, Yavi, is it easy for other people to have confidence in you? No, it stinks. It, all right, so number four, number six, stillness. Mm -hmm. As soon as you talked about that, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's crazy because on, this is why I love podcasting so much because you hear, you hear someone speak then you also hear all these other things behind it okay. in stillness, which is for me, sometimes I feel like the best thing to do is nothing at all, yes. right? Nothing at all. And you could hear so much more. So it, it's crazy that you say that. And I just said this earlier this morning, I'm like, you gotta be confident in what you're doing in order for people to believe in you. I don't want no one to believe in what I'm doing if I don't believe in it. Yeah. I have to believe in it. And the only way this is gonna move is if I have strong confidence and will, but stillness and confidence, oh my gosh, that is spot on right now. Wow, okay. um, th that's just you know, something that I've recently discovered. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the best thing to do is nothing at all. And going back to the reference point about the wheel, Mm -hmm. about the wheel that you mentioned mm -hmm. and stillness. And it's, it's funny because of COVID, because of the pandemic, you know, we, we hear about inflation a lot. And I, I just felt like I was on this wheel where I was forced to make a move and I was operating out of FOMO. Mm -hmm. But I recently realized the value in stillness, the, the value in not doing anything at all has given me more confidence to take more action, which is so powerful. Damn, Damn. Joe. Damn! Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure you noticed this, Yahavi. When you're going 100 miles per hour, right? You are missing like amazing stuff that is like right there in front of you, right? If you just slow down just a beat, 
you'd be like, oh, that's an even better path to take. Or, hey, there's an amazing opportunity. But if, you know, when you're driving so fast, right, you got to like pay attention to that narrow thing in front of you so you don't crash, right? And you really don't have time. So to your point, like the stillness allows you to really be more aware and absorb. And then when it's time to go fast, I have no doubt, Yahafi, you're going to be going fast. But you can't be going fast. You're going to redline. You can't be going fast 100% of the time. You will blow your engine. And, and it's, it's funny you mention that because I feel more spiritual grounding. I feel more connected in what I'm doing right now, which is why this podcast interview is, it's, it's phenomenal, right? The energy's there. The spark is there because I'm not burning myself out. I'm not trying to do a million things anymore. It's funny because I was trying to do real estate wholesaling for the last year, mm-hmm. but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not passionate about it. I'm not driven mm-hmm. by money. I'm, mm-hmm. I've realized it's funny because all of the connections that I've made being in real estate, but I wasn't driven by money mm-hmm. and everyone in real estate. Oh yeah, it's money, 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 but I'm not mm-hmm. driven by money. Mm-hmm. And I discovered so much more about myself and it made me find my passion into podcasting and networking mm-hmm. and connecting and, and, and hearing what you're saying today and stillness has given me so much more confidence. And we talked about this before we went online I have so much previously recorded episodes, but I wasn't rushing to edit and dish them out. Mm-hmm. I was, at first, there was this avalanche of anxiety. Oh, I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. Right. Because I'm telling my audience, hey, guys, new episodes of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast will be available every Monday and Friday. Mm-hmm. But then again, I have this voice in my head saying, you're not obligated to do this. You move at your own pace. And like you said, redlining. I'm, I've recently recovered from a burnout about two months ago. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough. But, yeah, to, to your point, stillness and confidence and having confidence in your stillness because idle time can cost you a lot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I, I was talking to a younger, like, potential guest, and they were talking about, like, the hustle culture, right? Of like the younger generation, which, you know, for me, I'm, I'm a bit older, I'm going to be 50 in a few years. Um, that doesn't really apply to me so much at like this point, you know, in my life thinking that way. Um, but it was interesting that there's this culture now where it is glorified just to say that you're too busy. You know, it's like this glorification of being busy to be busy, not for any particular purpose, not because you're accomplishing anything, but just to be seen as not busy in and of itself is somehow like a bad thing. And I think that's just crazy, (laughs) right? It's like, well, it's like, why are you so busy? Why are you working so hard and not able to enjoy other moments of creativity, reflection, communion with your family? right? You're so busy that the people who, you're, who you think you're being busy for, who you think you're trying to support and create a life for, you got no time for them. And after a while, they got no time for you. It's, it, I'm so glad you said that because there's definitely a big difference between being busy and being productive, in, which is why my time is so valuable. And, and mm-hmm. I put so much, and I, I, I deliberately, I schedule all my podcast episodes on the weekends because the whole family's home, but I have these little times to, to do these podcast interviews because Monday through Thursday, it's, you know, it's me and my daughter and I don't take interviews. I don't do any, I don't like to do anything. That's daddy daughter time. 
And I'm mm. very, I, I pride myself on that. Mm. I don't, I don't care. I don't, I, I, just, I don't care because I've realized I've made some what of the money back that I've left on the table here and there before, mm-hmm. but the time that the time is something you can't get back. So I see the value in that. And especially to your point, if I don't make time now, they're not going to have time for me in the future. And that is, that's a huge gem. As a millennial parent, that's definitely something that I'm going to definitely hold on to and, and definitely cherish that gem right there. So let me, um, let me bring something up about money, right? Because because I don't want people to get the impression that you and I want to be poor. <laughs> that's oh, not, absolutely not. Anyone, we do not want to be poor. No. <laughs> well, trust me, we're about our business. <laughs> so 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 here's here's sort of where you know, and and we all go through our own evolution, right? How we think about career, money, priorities, right? And everyone's on their own path. That's fine. Here's where I've I've kind of come to. Um, the money, first of all, exists already. The money for you and I is out there. The pie is huge. There's no lack of money, right? If you've ever worked for a major corporation, Fortune 500 company, and seen the budget of like one group, like, like a tiny group inside the organization, not the entire organization, your eyeballs the first time will pop out of your head. You're like, what? This is the budget? And so they need to spend that money. And, th- and I'm not talking about salaries. I'm talking about like they need to buy equipment, hire vendors, get training. The money is out there. People will throw money at vendors when it aligns with what they need to get done. Right? So that's the first thing. The money is out there. Now, here's the thing. The key is when you have clarity on the value you create and your purpose and what you are, to be a little bit corny, what you were put on this earth to do, which could be one of several different activities, but like each of us have kind of like a, like, like a mission almost, right? It, it's not a, it's not an occupation. It's not a particular job, but it's like a thing, right? Like for me, it's to help people connect to their best selves and also teach them how to connect with other people, right? So once you understand that, right, everything you do should kind of follow that path, right? Whether, whether it's a job, whether it's a business, whether it's a partnership, everything should kind of be following that North Star, right? And the thing is, the key to that and the difference between someone who does that and who is poor and someone who does that and does quite well for themselves, you know, the Tony Robbins of the world, you know, the, you know whoever's successful, The difference is those people do the work and figure out how to put themselves in the path of the money that's already being spent, okay? You and I can have this great conversation a million times, but if nobody listens to it, who values your digital marketing, who values my connection, consulting services and expertise, then you and I ain't gonna make a nickel, right? It's all about putting yourself in the path, not chasing money. You and I should stay clearly in our path because that's where we are strong, right? That's where we are better than anyone else at the very specific thing that we do, right? There's always gonna be someone who's better at podcasting than me, but no one can do the particular thing that I do the way that I do it better than I do, right? I'm competing against myself. But 
I have to understand if I want to generate money for it, I have to position myself in the flow of the money. And if I don't, that's my own fault. It's no one else's fault. No one, I don't deserve people's money, right? I have to position myself in the path, talk to people, gain their trust, help them to understand. And if they want to engage me, great. If there's someone else who, who fits better, at least I was in the running. But I've done the work to be successful versus it's just a hobby and I enjoy talking to people. It's fun, isn't it, Yahavi? Talking to people is fun. It, yeah, man, I freaking love podcasting, man. What? <laughs> and it, you know what's so crazy? I, and we're probably just diving into procrastination next. I, You know, it's funny because I initially was going to launch this podcast in the fall. Mm-hmm. And I am so glad that I decided to go early. What? I think it was like, what, February, March. Mm-hmm. And um, it was originally, we was originally in studio uh, recording uh, my book. You know, I, mm-hmm. I released my first book earlier this year, Sweats to Suits. And I was in studio recording because I recorded my book, Voice to Text Translation. Mm-hmm. So once I did that, we were, you know, on path to do an audio book, we were recording. And I said, you know what? Let's do the podcast. Mm-hmm. I, and, it, and, and I was going to procrastinate and push it to the fall. COVID came. I'm like, hmm, let's go early. Mm-hmm. Give us a little bit, uh, share a little insight on, on how, how does one overcome procrastination? Because I just ripped the bandaid off and just got going. It was the best decision I've ever made. And it changed my life. Uh, what, what can you tell the audience to, to help them overcome procrastination? Hmm. And I suffer from imposter syndrome and procrastination, just like you, man. <laughs> Damn, Joe, come on. <laughs> I'm asking you for the answers. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's, okay, it, so so I will share with you an amazing resource. Yeah. It's, a, it's a book that I read. Um, and I'm like one of these like business book, self-help book. Like I've never met a self-help self-help book I didn't like. In fact, it freaked out my wife because once um, before we got married, she came over to my apartment and I had a bookcase and I had just grabbed all these books like at a, you know, like when there's like an apartment sale of books and they're not like good books. They're like just like old books, but they're selling them for like a quarter. So like I bought a whole bunch of books and they had like really horrible titles like, are you happy? (laughs) And my wife like looked at these titles. It was like, is this guy going to eat me? (laughs) Is he like a serial killer? Because those books were like, so anyway, uh, one book that that was not a horrible book that I read about procrastination, it's called The Now Habit by Neil Fiore. And the way he's the only person I've ever met, kind of similar to the confidence definition that really explained procrastination to, to me in a way that like made sense. So his definition is procrastination is a mechanism, right? It's your attempted solution for coping with the anxiety associated with starting or completing any task or decision, right? It's a mechanism. It's your attempted solution for coping with anxiety associated with starting or completing any task or decision. It's the anxiety that has to be dealt with, which is like, you know, it's like a deeper thing, right? Like the anxiety is never about the thing. It's always about the thing underneath the thing, underneath the thing. Wow. Wow. That is that. Wow. <laughs> wow. It, it's, it, that is so crazy. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even look at it like that. 
and to look at it like that it, it, it makes it a little bit more insightful because it's like you know we, we have you know that people deal with anxiety every day people deal with procrastination every day i wouldn't think the two are tied together my anxiety is making me procrastinate I well, let me never, let me ask I, you a question about your anxiety if if okay. someone tells you or you tell yourself you have to do something does that make you more or less anxious i get annoyed yeah. i, I I get annoyed. What do you mean I got to do this? Exactly. No, I, you ain't yeah. the boss of me. <laughs> yeah, man. My girl telling me I got to take the garbage out. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to. I put that out there. I, I, I take the garbage out. <laughs> but I, I get, I, for me, I, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, two years ago, uh, my friend Diana would, would ask me, how does the word surrender make you feel? Okay. Right. So it made me look at, how do you handle authority mm. in corporations, right? So I've always had this issue and it, this goes to your point about that executive presence. Mm -hmm. And it's the male ego too. Of course. And, every, and everyone wants to lead. But mm -hmm. for me, I can't surrender to that authority mm -hmm. because I know you don't have the presence. You mm -hmm. mentioned the boat. We're sinking. Why am I going to follow you? Because I have no. a title, Yahavi. I have a great <laughs> shiny title. You should follow me. And exactly. And it, it, and it really made me look at corporate differently. Mm -hmm. Being a manager does not make you a good leader. However, there are people, you know, for me, for one, it's another reason why I, I left the nine to five corporate route is because I'm not, I don't handle authority well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't surrender to someone who isn't confident in their position. Mm -hmm. I, it's not the blind leading the blind. If you're blind, great. I can't follow you. That's a dangerous path. Mm -hmm. So to see it, to, for me to follow a leader who doesn't believe in what they're doing, just makes mm -hmm. me not believe in me, not believing you. And I'm good on that. Hey, hey kudos to you, but I'm going to go about it this way. I'm going to figure it out this way. So learning how to surrender to authority, learning how to surrender to my transformation, going from insecure to influencer because I grew up insecure. I was bullied back in the day, little scrawny mm. little kid, mm -hmm. right? So getting in this position, becoming a speaker, becoming an author, it's easy for me to look at imposter syndrome now and say, okay, I see why that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I have to remind myself, I have to instill this confidence in me like, hey, it's on me. I believe if the idea came to me, it's for me to fulfill it. Simple as that. I'm not going to doubt myself. There are people that's already going to push doubt on you as it is, but I'm not doing myself any favors by not believing in myself, by not acting. I should do myself all the favors in the world by believing and taking that imperfect action. So can I tell you how I finally kicked my imposter syndrome? I suffered yo, for, for many tell, years. Many yo, years. Tell, I need to know how. So, and, and here's the crazy thing about imposter syndrome, and you may have experienced this too. In the midst of imposter syndrome, I was getting great reviews at work. I was getting raises and bonuses. Everyone was telling me how great I was. I would go home and I would just be so anxious. In fact, the more people told me how great I was, the bigger of an imposter I felt like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Good. I'm so glad you brought up this point because I was going to ask you this question. How do you, how do you handle compliments versus criticism? Is, is it mm -hmm. the same for you in imposter syndrome? Well, here's, here's the thing. Imposter syndrome is generated totally internally. So no 
this is part of the key of how I was able to, to get past it. Nothing external will really change me internally until the internal thing is ready to change, right? So uh, let's, let's use sort of a, a bit of a generic example, like a, like, a, like a romantic kind of movie kind of thing, right? So you have this guy and, um, you know, very successful and he has his pick of the litter of, you know, of, of suitors, you know, people who, who he could date. And there's this one girl who's like his best friend and she is the one that he should marry, right? She is the one who understands him, who will make him happy, who will be devoted to him, right? But she is not like his quote unquote type, right? She's not, you know, as, you know, sexy or fashionable or what, whatever his type is, right? It's not important. He will never, never, ever, ever see her for who she really is until something shifts inside him. He will always look for the shiny one, right? The, the one that everyone else wants. He will not see the value until something shifts inside. Doesn't matter what she does. She can do everything for him. She'll be there for him 24 seven. She probably is, but he will never see what she really is because internally he's not ready. It's the same way for us and our um, confidence and our value right? If we are not ready, your mom can tell you, your brother can tell you, your spouse, your partner can tell you, your kid can tell you, your boss can tell you. Heck, the president of the United States can tell you. You still will not be ready to receive that feedback. And, and the criticism, hey, it falls right in line <laughs> with, with what you already believe. So you're ready to receive the criticism because you already believe it. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. Yeah, it, make, it makes tons of sense. Yeah, for sure. For sure, definitely. And, that, and that's another thing. That's why I asked the question because I, I started to uh, pick apart how I handle compliments how I, versus how I handle criticism. Mm-hmm. I think compliments, I handle yeah, compliments pretty well. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, criticism, I, I like to dig deep into the criticism. It doesn't, eat, it doesn't eat at me. There's things where, you know, I'm not perfect. There's a lot of areas where I could improve just like every other human being. Sure. However, criticism, in fact, shows me areas where I could improve, which is why I do like criticism to a degree a little bit more than compliments because I want someone to give me that raw, that real, you know, and uh, constructive criticism, not criticism to be, uh, you know, to just critique, just to critique, just something constructive that I could build off as, as a stepping stone, which is why I, I, I wanted to dive into criticism and compliments. So I have this amazing quote for you, Yahavi, that, that embodies what you said really beautifully, right? Because that sentiment that you had is, is very powerful. So I don't know how I came across this. Again, I was probably just, you know, reading too much. Um, but this is, a, this is a quote by John Joseph Powell. It is an absolute human certainty that no one can know his, well, insert her as well, own beauty or perceive a sense of his own worth until it has been reflected back to him in the mirror of another loving, caring, human being, right? It's an absolute human certainty that no one can know his own beauty or perceive a sense of his own worth until it has been reflected back to him 
in the mirror of another loving, caring human being. That's how we find out who we really are. It's power, that's powerful right there. That's a powerful line. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you another one. It's funny. It's a, it's a it's a music lyric from Nas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think the song is called Adam and Eve, and he says you you learn who you are when you're around family. That's right. And it, it is so powerful yeah. because you know you hear the saying, "Family you're given and your friends you pick." Yeah. And for me, ooh, family, man. You know, you, you know, family is great. I love my family, but family with criticism with mm-hmm. compliments, but family with criticism, I personally believe in, in it's, it's like this secret, it's a secret, uh, it's this coded language of success or, mm-hmm. or, or comfort that you feel uh, mm-hmm. when you have someone related to you that could critique something that the outside world would never tell you. Yes. And it, it's, and it's incredible because my older brother, I have seven siblings. I have two older brothers. My uh, second older brother, he he's a re- he's really good at sales. This guy's the goat. I'm great at sales too. Mm-hmm. The other goat. However, the way he critiques things with me, the way he critiques, mm-hmm. like he he's like, "Yo, what are you doing? You could be better, mm-hmm. right?" Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I love the. F- I, that's why I, I, I'm. I, you see my pictures here. I love. I'm really big on family because family, the family criticism. I could understand, you know, like you mentioned, even like, hey, Yahavi, I could critique and I could say this, I could say that. It's all about the way you say things. So if someone puts a little bit enthusiasm, yo, you suck, bro. Yo, this is trash, right? So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the point, but that criticism, yeah. Well, here's, family, here's the thing. The, the reason why it's so powerful is your brother does it with love, right? Mm. Because you could have a brother, right? And I don't think it's your other brother, but you could have a brother who criticizes you to build themselves up and put you down, right? And that doesn't really show you who you are. That shows you who they are, right? And it's so funny because there's friends like that too. There's definitely oh, friends like that. for uh, a dime a dozen, definitely. And I had to, man, look, yeah, I tell you what, the more <laughs> successful I came, the more people expose themselves. And oh yeah, I, oh, yeah. I am not, I'm not one that likes, I, I get the vibe where, you know, friends try to have this like somewhat competition. I'm like, yeah. man, I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah You know, yeah. I, I'm just, gen- I am genuinely happy for people. And, you know, they say, oh, don't let success change you. And this, then the third, but it's like, it just seems like you're watching my success more than me. And, yeah. you know, and you could just tell and you, and you feel it. It's, it's really interesting. Oh my gosh, Joe, what, what a good episode, man. If you can, uh, please give our audience some, some key takeaways, some closing thoughts, if you will, uh, on some things that you want people to, to, to hold on to and remember. Yeah. So um, just to close the loop on the imposter syndrome, um, the way I was able to deal with that was to actually accept the feeling that I was an imposter, all right? Not to believe I'm an imposter, not to agree with it, but to accept the fact that there's a reason I feel that way. And that, Yahavi, is a horrible, horrible place. It's a dark place, but here's the key. When you go through that, instead of ignoring it, right? Normally we just like shovel some dirt on top and say, ah, there's nothing to look at there, right? And we're like, we're great, 
right? But when you can kind of understand like, what is that seed? You know, you talked about a seed before. What is the seed that's making me believe that? And how am I feeding that with my imposter syndrome, my procrastination? Once I was able to figure that out and it's personal, so I won't share what that was on your show. Um, but once you're able to figure that out, you can come up with more positive ways of dealing with that. What I was doing is I was doing maladaptive, negative behaviors to deal with that internal sort of seed of self-worth, anxiety, pain, however, it's different for everyone. But you can only get better when you go through that really, really dark place and figure out what that is. And let me tell you, it's horrible. No one wants to go there. Believe me, I'd much rather be watching Netflix, right? Much rather be watching Queen's Gambit, Expanse season five, much more fun than sitting there thinking, God, how did I get this messed up? <laughs> That's no fun, right? But you don't change the game until you go through that. You cannot, right? You can, you can, you can uh, make it pretty. You can fake it till you make it, but you will never truly, truly reach your full potential until you face that demon. That's yo, that's deep, Joe. Because even in the darkness, you find light, and that's 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 powerful right there. But you have to, you like you said, you can't throw dirt on it. You you can't walk around eggshells about it. Uh, yeah. You have to discover it, man. That's man, that's good right there. Oh man, wow. Oof. To wrap, we went up, deep today. <laughs> yeah, this was um, no, this was this was this was definitely, and and I'm loving this. Ed. This is. And this is why I invited you on. And this is this is great because out of all the people that I reached out to, boom, right? And um, I, I strongly believe, and this is what I tell my girl this all the time. Mm-hmm. I strongly believe every single guest that I've had the opportunity to connect with is mm-hmm. my own secret messenger. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, different things, my mind went on different places and unlocked different things. So uh, Joe, I, I can't thank you enough for stopping by on the podcast. This has been a really incredible episode in terms of just self-improvement and self-discovery and learning things that could trigger and, and how to get over certain triggers. Uh, really incredible. Oh my gosh. Thank you again. So Yahavi, I wanted to thank you because you are a catalyst for these sorts of conversations, right? Like I'm not going to sit here and have this conversation with no one. So the, the energy that you bring, your, your curiosity, your, the particular path you're on, the combination of both of us is what made this conversation possible. Um, last thing you know, I'd, I'd like to say is it's all about the connection, right? If you can figure out how to more deeply connect to who you truly are and combine that to how to connect better with others, then you can truly fulfill your potential. And, you know, I'm sure you'll share my, you know, info um, on the link. If anyone wants to continue the conversation via email or my website, you know, it's www.connectioncounselor.com. Would love to talk to folks. Thank you again, Joe. Uh, Like always, guys, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the St. Clair Speaks podcast. Stream it on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Radio Republic. You can watch this full interview on YouTube. Like I always say, guys, it's that time, and I'll see you in the next one. I'm out.